First Peter chapter 1. How many believe in God according to the prayer that we prayed just a moment ago? You, I didn't just say that just as warm-up preliminaries. We, uh, we pray that and release our faith. Amen. We, we're expecting good utterance. Amen. Expecting the Lord to talk to you. And you know, the more you can expect, the more you can receive. So expect big. Receive big. Amen. How many understand healing is, is working? Healing has been working. Amen. All this week. Healing's been working. Amen. And, and those of you that have came yesterday and the day before, healing's been working and healing's working right now. Amen. Healing's working. This thing starts on the inside. Starts on the inside. And it works its way out. It starts, you know. Remember when Jesus cursed that fig tree? He spoke to it and uh, walked away from it. And if you read the whole story, you'll find it's about some 24 hours or so elapsed before you could see any changes on the outside. But you see, when he spoke to it, something happened under the ground where you couldn't see. You see, it said it was dried up from the roots from the roots. Something happened underneath the, the ground. See, under the ground is representative of in the spirit realm. You can't see that. You see? Isn't that right? Under the ground, in the spirit. You can't see that. But how many things can be working in the spirit, whether you see them or not? And that's going to affect things in the natural. But it happens first in the spirit. Things happen in your life first in your heart. On the inside of you. Amen. In your spirit. Then they happen outside. So, uh, uh, you know, praise God. Several of you, you know, you're going to be seeing some changes in your body real soon. Amen. Just, just hang in here. Amen. Just hang on. Some folk already can tell some difference. You feel better than you did a couple of days ago. Amen. You're doing better. Some folks say, well, not me. I had a rough night last night. Well, don't let that move you. Don't let it move you. Amen. That's exactly what we've been talking about, isn't it? This text, 1 Peter 1.7. How many thank God for 1 Peter 1.7? Aren't you, don't you, aren't you glad for it? It says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, the trial of your faith. Say it again, think about it. The trial of your faith. Once again, the trial of your faith. So that's been, a, that's been our subject this week. We started on Monday, talked about it Monday and Tuesday. And we're continuing on today talking about the trial of your faith. It's a given, it's a fact, that your faith's going to be tried. It's going to be tested. It's going to be proven. And, of course, how does God want you to come out? That's actually the subtitle of my message. Of, of my, uh, my title, rather, you know. My title is The Trial of Your Faith. My subtitle is How to Come Out Shining. <laughs> That'll work, won't it? How to come out 
shining. Amen. And so we've been talking about the fact that this scripture and other verses very plainly reveal that our faith is a very precious commodity. Amen. That when God sees our faith, it's precious to Him. Very valuable to Him. And then it ought to be valuable to us. And being valuable to God, it is also a threat to the enemy. You understand, your faith is a big threat to the enemy. Because your faith is what? The victory that overcomes, overcomes the world. Well, who's in the world and working in the world? Well, the enemy. So your faith overcomes him and his devices and his works. So obviously your faith is a threat to him. Therefore, you can see that your faith becomes a principal target of his. And that he is very much interested in doing whatever he can to eradicate your faith rob you of your faith, and like we said, strip you of your faith. And uh, that the enemy will work in different situations in life, situations, conditions, experiences, and he is working to the effect that as you go through that situation in life, as you go through those conditions and experiences, He's planning that by the time you get through that thing on the other side, you will have been completely stripped of your faith. By the time you go through that thing, you will come out faithless. You know? But what he means for evil, the Lord can turn around for good if you will believe him and do the right things. Instead of coming out stripped of faith, your faith can come out proven and approved and like gold tried through the fire, come out shining brighter and stronger than ever. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God for our precious faith becoming even more precious. Now, like we said, your faith is going to be tried. Uh... We have been talking, though, about exactly how the enemy works in the trial of our faith. How he works to strip us of faith. The particular things that he does. And we said that we went back to the first faith stripper that the devil planned back in Genesis with our parents, Adam and Eve. And we saw some things. Let's go back and look at it again and see some more things today. Genesis chapter 3. Now, if you weren't with us yesterday or the day before, uh, you might want to get the tapes because it all really goes together and you get the most out of what we're saying now if you've heard what went before it. Uh, I don't have time to go over all of the uh, previous thoughts. But in Genesis 3, we see what I, I call, you know, called one of the, the first, actually the first faith stripper trial of faith at the enemy plan, and it's a sad story because it was effective. He did rob them and strip them of the faith that it took for them to be obedient. We've already talked about the connection between faith and obedience in our lesson yesterday. But let's go over it again. Verse 1, chapter 3, Genesis. The serpent was more subtle. Again, subtle means crafty, tricky, sly. He's, he's, he's very slick and tricky. 
more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And we said that one of the, one of the things that the enemy will do to shake you loose from your faith is he will try to undermine your foundation for your faith, which is the Word of God. He will challenge what you have heard from God. He will say, did God tell you that? He will endeavor to challenge that and confuse you about that. He went on, she, she told him what God had said. And then verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be open. You be as God's knowing good and evil. And so we see that the enemy, the way that your faith is going to be tried, is the enemy is going to challenge what you've heard from God. And even though you might be settled on it, he's going to try to make it complicated. He's going to try to confuse you about it. He's going to try to get you to misinterpret it and misunderstand what previously was very clear and simple to you. We saw over in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, about the third verse, where that Paul had said to the, in the New Testament to the saints at the church of Corinth, he said to them, he said, I, I'm afraid, uh, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, you see, and deceived her, that, that you should be, your, your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. And we had said to you, when you get revelation, it's real simple. It's clear, it's light, it's life, you see it, and it makes you happy. And it gives you joy. Amen. But you watch it just as sure as you get some revelation and you get excited about some good verse that you find in the Bible, guess what's going to happen? The enemy's going to come. And he won't be, he won't be long in coming either. He'll be right there and he'll say, now, now what did God tell you? And you'll say, well, he, he said, glory to God, you know, by his stripes I'm healed. And he'll say, well, yeah, yeah, but you know, that's, that's not what that means. And he'll try to reason with you. And what he'll try to do is to, to, to rob you of your faith on that. Your faith is going to be challenged and tried and tested by his reasoning and by his logic and by his lies. He is a liar. And it worked. It worked with him. And it's worked with human being after human being since that time. But be on your guard. Be on your watch. Amen. When you read a good verse of Scripture and it blesses you and you go, glory to God. Yeah, this is God talking to me. Look at this. Look at this. And your heart rises up in faith. Just be ready because the lies are coming. All right. He's going to say, yeah, but now, now see, that doesn't mean uh, physical blessings. That means just spiritual. So that's not for, and, and, and I see that's just for the Jews. That's not for you nowadays. And that's passed away. And you don't really understand that. And see, he'll try through any number of different ways to rob you so that you go, oh, well, I thought that was, and I was excited, but I don't know. And see, he has effectively stripped you of your faith. Do you see that? How many times has that happened? Now, I went into great detail about this yesterday. So if you weren't here... I'm just, I'm reviewing a little bit for those of you that weren't here. How many weren't here yesterday? Let me see. Oh, Lord. No wonder, no wonder the Lord keeps prompting me to review a little bit. But if I review too much, I won't have time to get into the things that I'm talking about today. 
Well, yeah, get the tape. Somebody said, get the tape. Now, that's, that's the guys that were here yesterday saying, get the tape. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But, uh, but I think you can understand what we're saying. That the enemy, these are some of his methods. You understand what we're saying? We're, we're, we're studying how he does this. Because the Bible says, you know, we're not to be ignorant of his devices. We won't be if we will make ourselves knowledgeable of the word. And he will, he will challenge you about what God has told you. He will lie to you about it. And what previously was very, very simple and gave you life and excited you, he will try to shoot it down with his reasonings, his lies, his deception. And you've got to hold on to it and hold on to your faith. Amen. And don't let anybody steal that away from you. And you get something good and it blesses you and it answers and builds your faith up. Don't let anybody or anything take it away from you. Because you understand what's happening. His enemies, he's got a hold of your faith. And he's saying, no, no, turn loose with that. That's not, you can't, you can't believe that. That's not for you. You can't do that. You just pull it back and say, I do believe it. Now you leave me alone. Shut up. God told me that. And that's what I'm going to believe. Now you just back off. Because I'm going to believe it. It's good. And God's good. Amen. And it's light. And it's life. And it's in line with all the word of God. And my spirit bears witness to it. And leave me alone. You understand? Praise God. But let's go on today. Let's go on. Well, well no, I, di- I didn't say this. I didn't say this. Notice this, notice this next area here where he said, verse 5, For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. We said also here that one of the ways the enemy tries your faith is that he will endeavor to cast a shadow on God's character. All right? He will try to get you to doubting God, questioning God's motives, God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's fairness. And we went into some detail talking about the issue of Job. Amen. But you see, uh, uh, that, that, that's, that's a very important point because so many times people have been stripped of their faith because they have decided that God let them down some way or another. You know, well, I trusted God and, he, and, and it didn't work and I don't understand. And why did God let this happen? Or what about this? And see, what the devil is doing is he's whispering to them, see, God didn't come through for you. You see? God didn't come through for you. Do you see what he's saying here? He says, oh, you won't really die. See, God knows that in the day you eat the fruit, you'll have this knowledge. You'll be like him. He just He told you that you'd die just to scare you, keep you away from the tree. Well, see, that, that's casting a shadow on God's character. It's making God out to be a liar and a deceiver. And he is not. The devil's the liar. Right? So friend, I don't care what happens, and there will be times in life where things will happen, you won't understand it. Alright? But these will be some of the acid tests of your faith and trials of your faith that even when you don't understand things and you have questions and you can't see the answer to it right then, that you stand up and say, well... I can't figure some things out, but I do know this. God's good. God's fair. He's faithful. See, don't let these kind of times strip you of your faith. Because you will have them. And just having the basic 
fundamental faith and well-rooted faith that God's a good God, He's a faithful God, He's a just God. Just those, those basic things, that'll get you through some hard places. Get you through some tough spots in life if you'll hold on to it and not turn it loose. Amen. Because there's a lot of things we don't know. Right? I mean, you know, I've, I've been in this particular area for uh, working in healing school on a daily basis for 10 years. And, and you see a lot of different things. Having, having that much contact with these, these many needs day in, day out. And, you know, I've had people ask me again and again, why? What about this? How come? Why? What about this? I don't understand. Why did God? Why didn't God? Well, I thought this was, and I thought they were this. And what about this? And sometimes, you know, folks, you know, they ask me. And sometimes I know some things, but sometimes I just have to say, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. It's God's will to heal all. I know that. And God is good. And God is fair and just. He's faithful. You can count on Him. And God has never let you or anybody you know or anybody down. Never. Never. It may look like it to some folks, but he never has. And when you see everything clearly, you'll know he hasn't. But because of folks' ignorance and confusion, a lot of times they assume things. And there's a lot of folks mad at God. It's true. But it's because they're foolish. Because they've listened to the devil. And because they've gone through one of his faith strippers. You understand? And we're robbed. But moving on today, finally. Verse 6, And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof. See, she lost her faith in the dependability of God and the verity of His Word. And Adam apparently also. Because if they hadn't, they wouldn't have done this. If they'd have been absolutely convinced of the verity and dependability and surety of God's word that it was a bad thing to eat of the fruit, and if they did, they'd surely die, they wouldn't have done it. They became deceived, deluded, lost their faith in the integrity of God's word. I don't know whether you see that or not, but don't throw it away. They went through one of the devil's faith strippers the first one recorded in history. And they lost their faith and disobeyed. But did you notice after these things that we've noticed, how the, the devil will challenge the word, he'll question the word, he'll lie to you about what God has said, he'll try to cast shadows on God's character. Then notice what it says, the woman, what? Saw. The tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes. Here's the next area we're going to look at. The enemy will work toward the trial of your faith, to try to strip you of your faith, he will work in the areas of the senses. In the areas of what you see and what you feel and what registers on your senses. And if he can get you to focus in on that, then that, especially things that contradict what God had told you and things that look differently than what God told you and keep you looking at the wrong thing long enough, that begins to eat away at your faith. Doesn't it? Certainly it does. 
How many understand that if you're believing God about something, you don't need to focus in on what things look like when they look contrary to what God said? You know? Let's say you got bills and you need them paid. And you're supposed to be believing what the Word of God says. You know? He supplies all my needs. I always have all sufficiency in all things. Amen. He's my provider. He's my need meter. How many know it's not a good idea to just pile all those bills up on the table and sit there and look at them all afternoon? And go, oh God, look at this bill. You owe this amount. And oh, look at you owe this too. And look, you owe this. Oh, and don't forget, you owe this. And then when you get through, go over them again. Remember, you owe this. You owe this. You owe this. And then where's the money coming from? You're not getting paid till then. This is not coming. This is not coming. You don't know. You don't know. What are you going to do? Now, you need to know what's going on, all right? Look at your stuff, all right? Be dil- the Bible said be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Know what's going on, all right? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not advocating ignorance. But then once you know what's going on, don't just sit there and stare at it and mull over it. You understand what I'm saying? Once you know your situation, you know the figures, you know the facts, close the file, put it up, and praise God for the rest of the afternoon. Amen? Because of what He told you. You understand what I'm saying? You know, know what's going on, but then you cannot fix your eyes on those things. And you cannot fix your mind on the problem. On what you, what you don't see or what you don't feel or what you do feel or see that's contrary to what God has told you. Remember what the scripture said over in 2 Corinthians 4.18? For we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Amen. For the things that are seen are temporal. They're temporary. Well, that's good news. That's, that's good news, isn't it? What does that mean? The things you see and feel right now. Are you seeing some things you don't like? Have you, have you been feeling some things you don't like? The Bible says it's temporary. Glory! Temporary! Temporary! Oh, it's real! It's there! See, some folk, some folk try to mix us up with some of these mind science cults. And we're not. Vast difference between what we teach and what they teach. Some of these folks they teach, well, you know, if you're hurting, that's not really real. You see. That's not, oh yeah, it's real. Okay. When it shows up on the x-rays and the test results and there it is and it hurts, it's there. you got a problem. But you got a bigger God. Alright? When you got bills, there they are. You know, the creditor calls and says, Hey, you're supposed to have some money into me ten days ago. What are you going to do about it? You don't say, By faith I have no bills. <laughs> Not if you got any sense. You got bills. You got obligations. You're behind. You should have called them already. And not called them and quoted verses to them. <laughs> Apologize for not having an end. Tell them you're not trying to beat them out of it. Tell them as soon as you can, you're going to send it to them. Amen. You know, some folk use their so-called concept of faith as an excuse not to face things and deal with them. And it's not faith at all. It's not faith at all. Be responsible. Amen. 
Faith deals with reality. It's not pretend at all. Faith deals with realities, and the greatest of realities is God. Amen. Amen. And His Word is real, and His Spirit is real, and His healing power is real. But you know, you, you have to, uh, you have to remind yourself that the things I'm seeing and feeling, they are temporary. Temporary. You know, that, that one thing is worth you coming today. You just get a hold of that one thing right there. Yeah. When things look bad. Maybe they've been bad for a while. Sometimes you, you know, you get up again. And you get up another morning and there it is. Staring you in the face. There's that ugly thing again. Periodically, you need to remind yourself and say, hey, don't forget, this is temporary. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is temporary. <laughs> oh, man, I've been, you know, I feel like I've been struggling just trying to keep one half nostril above water. <laughs> Financially. Yeah, but it's what? Temporary. Yeah, but man, I've been hurting. Oh man, I got pain from, from my head to my toes. I throb. It's terrible. Yeah, but what? Yeah. Temporary. Anything, anything, anything you can see or feel is temporary. It's temporal. Yeah, but man, it's been going on for three years. Temporary. 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 But the things that are not seen, he said, are eternal. They don't change. By his stripes, your heal does not change. He took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. That never changes. Never. Never. Glory to God. So that's what you look at. Why look at things that are changing and subject to change? Look at the things that don't change. Fix your eyes, fix your heart, fix your mind on things that don't change. That's why the scripture said over in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. Glory to God. Is that how you walk? You know, it's a lot easier to say than it is to do. <laughs> you know, again and again and again and again. And again and again, and again 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 when we're dealing with people. You know what their problem is? They walk in by sight. I don't mean once in a while. And I'm not just talking about non-charismatic people. I'm talking about including Charismatics, word and faith, what's, what's the big problem? Again and again and again and etc. again? Walking by sight. You'll be honest with yourself so many times when things are not going right with you and you've lost your joy and you've lost your peace and things are not going right. You just need to grab yourself by the neck, look in the mirror and say, look, you're walking by sight. You've got to quit it. Get your eyes off the problem. Get your mind off of your distress. Look up. Set your affection on things above. Remember what God told you. Quit thinking about what you feel. Now, I didn't say that was easy. No, no, no. A fellow that did lied to you. I didn't say it's easy. 
Oh, man. It can be tough. Boy, those bills can scream at you. Look at me! Look at me! Your body can talk to you, can it? Pay attention to me! I hurt! Look at me! Listen! Feel! Check! Look! Feel! Oh, it can scream at you! Scream at you! But friend, if you want to pull out of it, if you want to overcome, you got to get your eyes off of it. Picture Eve and Adam at the, at, at the tree. The devil has challenged the word. They stood there like dummies and listened. Challenged God's character. They stood there and entertained it. Now you know, most people wouldn't do that with their natural dad. You know? You know, if you and I were talking, and, and, and you just kind of casually, you know, suggested that my, dev, that, that my dad is, is a liar and a deceiver and a hypocrite, then, then probably our conversation's over. And that's you coming out light. You understand what I'm saying? That's you getting off light. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they just stood there and the devil said, no, 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 no. You see, I know God said that, but listen. You won't die. I'm telling you. Now, what do you make out of that? He just called your heavenly father a liar. You can't get around that. And then he went on to suggest hypocrisy. He said, you know, he said, uh, the implication is that, you know, he just told you that because you won't die. But he told you that, keep you away from the tree. What kind of person is God then? Now he's a hypocrite. He's a deceiver. And instead of listening and believing that stuff, they should have challenged him and said, now wait a minute, wait just a minute. Who are you? Who are you? Who said you had a right to come around here talking like this? See, God had told Adam, he warned him, he said, he said, dress and keep this place. Keep it. Keep implies guard, protect. See, Adam had every right, Eve had every right to boot him out of there. I mean, they should have got indignant. They should have said, how dare you insult my father? How dare you slander his character? Cast a shadow on his spotless character. How dare you? How dare you? You shut up and get out right now. Just get out right now. Amen. I am not just saying that as a as something that happened a long, long time ago. I'm talking about how we should deal with things that happen right now. When the enemy comes and lies to you about what your father told you, don't stand there and listen to all that stuff. Don't entertain all that stuff. When he starts challenging you about what God said or what God is, you ask yourself the question, this devil who's lying to you has never done anything for you but hurt you, has never done anything but lie to you, deceive you. Your father has never lied to you. He's always been there for you. He's always blessed you. Who are you going to stay with? Who are you going to side with? You have to be ignorant to side with the devil. And folk do it every day. Every day they do it. See to it you don't. Don't question God. Question the devil. Amen. Question him. Challenge him. 
But anyway, the devil will also endeavor to try your faith, strip your faith away from you, through getting you to focus in and look at the things that can be perceived by the senses. What you can see, what you can hear, what you can smell, what you can taste, what you can touch, what's perceptible to the senses. Let's look at a couple of instances. Go with me, if you would, over to uh, Matthew, the 14th chapter. This is a classical illustration of what we're talking about. But let's remind ourselves of it. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. Now you know the story. Jesus was praying. The disciples got in the boat, went to the other side. They encountered a storm. They thought for sure they're going to sink. Until here comes Jesus walking on the water. And then they all thought they were going to die from fright. <laughs> and then... Uh, they, they yelled, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. They're scared silly. And uh, Peter, you know, the, the, when the Lord said, uh, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter said, well, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And the Lord said, come. Now, faith comes by what? Hearing. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing here. You know, faith does not come by seeing. When they saw Jesus walk on the water, they did not all immediately have faith to walk on the water, did they? They had fright that caused heart attacks and things like that. They were scared. Faith does not come by seeing. Now, one reason I say that to you is because I've heard people say before, well, you know, well, if I could see some of those things happen, then I, I think I could believe. No, faith doesn't come by seeing. That's not true. That's not true. Well, yeah, if I could see some of these things happen, then, then I'd believe, no, faith does not come by seeing. No. No, it doesn't. Faith can be inspired by hearing other people's testimonies, seeing good things happen, but that's not how faith comes. The Bible tells you how faith comes. How does it come? By hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Hearing what God told you. You know? Uh, I, I, I've seen people, and I know of cases where people actually saw miracles happen right in front of their eyes, and it did not give them faith. Remember, my dad said years ago he was in the healing line. He was just a boy. This has been many years ago. He told me. Of course, I wasn't there. He told me about it. And he, uh, he said there was a lady beside him had a huge gorter on her neck and head protruded way out to the side. And this is in, it was in one of Brother William Branham's meetings. And he said he, uh, uh, that Brother Branham laid hands on people. And when he got to this lady, he spoke to her by the Spirit of God and said it, it looked like he stuck a, a pin in that thing, like a balloon. And it just went down, 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 just like you're letting the air out of a balloon until it's just flat. Her neck was just flat. He's standing right beside her. He saw it happen in a, you know, matter of seconds. And he said there were guys that were standing behind him, grown men. He heard them going out the door saying, uh, Ah, that wasn't real. That they just had somebody planted up there. You know, they just, they had her fixed up like that or something, you know. That wasn't real. 
I'm just saying that to say that sin does not produce faith. Okay? You could see some of the greatest miracles that could happen. That doesn't mean you're going to have faith. The devil will give you a thousand one ways to explain it away if you'll be open to listening to his lies. Depends on what your heart's inclined toward. Well, notice here. They didn't get faith to walk on the water from seeing Jesus walk on the water. Did they? But when we saw uh, this individual, Peter, hear this person, Jesus, speak and say, come, then what did he do? He heard the word that caused his faith to rise up. Now, we've been talking about faith all week, so let, let's think about this. Think about it. Remember I talked to you about when you get a good verse and you find a good verse in the Bible and boy, you, you, your faith jumps up and you go, oh, glory to God, look at this, look at this. Then the enemy comes and tries to shoot it down. Oh, that's not for you. Whatever. What do you think happened in Peter's heart when the Lord told him that? Let's, 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 let's put ourselves there now. Think about it. Think about it. They're in the boat. Storms raging. Lightning. Wind. Waves. Jesus is standing on the water. Waves are coming up. Lightning's flashing. They're in the boat, trying to bail, trying to row. Then they see Jesus. They're scared, silly. There's a ghost. Then he says, it's I. Don't be afraid. Peter looked up. He said, if it is you, tell me to come. Now, now put yourself in Peter's shoes right now. When Jesus spoke up and said, Come! <laughs> what, what does that do in your heart? You say, You're Peter. You just told him, If it's you, tell me to come. <laughs> what happens, you see? That did not mean that the storm instantly ceased, the water became solid. No. Boat's still rocking. Waves still crashing. Wind's still blowing. Something happened in Peter's heart, though, when he heard that word come. His heart leapt up. And he thought, huh, I can do it. He said, Jesus is doing it. He told me to come to him and do it. So he got up. And here's the key of faith. Understand this. When faith rises up in your heart, a lot of times people will sit and think about it. And that can be a fatal mistake. You understand what I'm saying? They sit and think and go, hmm, now let's see. And a lot of times the time they get through thinking, faith is gone. Reasoning and rationalizing. and You know, when faith rises up in a person's heart, it's time to move. Move. Amen. When faith is there, move. Strike while the iron's hot. Go. You understand? Anyway, he stepped out of the boat. Rested his foot on the cold waves. By faith, just put his weight on it. And stepped on out with another step. And stepped on out with another step. And stepped. We don't know how far he went. He might have gone quite a ways. He was close enough for Jesus to just reach out and help him when he sank. Hmm? 
He may have gone some distance walking on the water. More than just a step or two, you understand. He is doing the supernatural. There's a storm there. A storm that causes mere mortals in boats to sink and perish. But he is without a boat walking on top of the water. Glory to God. With Jesus. In the realm with Jesus. Walking in faith like Jesus walks in faith. Walking on the water like Jesus walks on the water. You know, if that had been some theologians writing this, they wouldn't read this way. They'd have Jesus answering something entirely different. When Peter would have said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. Some many theologians would have Jesus saying, Peter, how dare you be so presumptuous as to think that you, a mere worm of an unworthy man, could actually walk on the water like myself, the holy, spotless Son of God can do. Huh? But that's not Jesus. That's men. That's tradition. God never said. Jesus never said. The Holy Ghost never said. Stay in the boat, you unworthy worm. You can't presume to do what the Son of God does. Never. 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 You know what he said? What did he say? Come on. Come on. Come on. That's what God's been saying ever since man fell in the garden. Come on. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up out of that muck and mud. Come on up out of that defeat. Walk with me on the water. Walk with me in the miraculous. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, finish you listen. The Spirit of God's telling you, come on. Come on. Walk like Jesus walked. First John says, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Not only is it possible, you're told to walk just like Jesus walked. Didn't he say, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also? Greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. He didn't say, You can't do what I did because I'm the Son of God and you're a lowly earthworm. No! 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 He said, Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on up. Come on with me. Peter's doing good. He's heard the word. Faith rose in his heart. He stepped out on that faith. He's doing good. He's passed these first tests, hasn't he? Remember these first ones we talked about? How the devil will challenge the word. The devil will try to rob that word from you, you see. I'm sure the devil brought thought to his mind. When Jesus said, come, what did he tell you? He must have said, he, he didn't say, come. He might have said, dumb. <laughs> Peter, that's dumb to ask if you can do what I... What did he say? Because there's a storm going on, you know. I, I'm just talking about the way the devil is, you know. He'll try to tell you, that's not, no, that's not what he said. He couldn't have said that. But he, see, you understand what I'm saying? He got past that. He just said, he said, come. I know he did. Stepped out of the boat and started. 
He's acting on the Word of God. He's got faith. You understand? He is not walking by sight when He's walking on the waves. He's not walking in the natural. He's walking by faith. But this next thing caught Him, didn't it? The thing of the senses. The thing of sight. Didn't it? He made it through the first faith strippers. But these next ones got their hooks in His faith and pulled it right out of Him. Verse 30. He was walking on the water to go to Jesus. But when He saw... Do you see that word right there? Saw. Saw. The wind boisterous or strong. He was afraid. Now here you see something. When you walk by sight... It puts you in fear. And so, you can turn it around. If you're in fear, what are you doing? Walking by sight. Did you get that? If you're in fear, what are you doing? Walking by sight. And then he began to sink. Do you see that when the faith was pulled out of him, because of what he was seeing and looking at, immediately he started down. Because so you, you can't walk above the problem just in the natural. You've got to walk by faith. If you don't walk by faith, you won't come out victorious. Faith is the victory. But when the enemy was effective in pulling his faith out, by, and as he went through this trial of his faith, he didn't pass this phase. When the enemy said, look at the wind though. Peter, look at the wind. He's walking on water. He's doing good. And the devil said, hey Peter, look at the wind though, man. Look at the wind. Look how strong the wind is. Well, the wind was causing the, the wave to churn and rise up and splash and rise up and splash. And the devil said, you, 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 can't, you can't walk on the water when the wind's like that, man. <laughs> Somebody said, that's dumb. I know, and it's just the way the devil does. And sometimes you look back and you think, why did I fall for that? I was doing good, and the devil told me you can't be doing that, and I didn't realize, hey, I am doing it. And you start falling for his lies. Peter, you can't... Look, 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 look. Look at the wind. Look at the waves. You can't be doing this when the wind and waves. There's a storm going on. Just like you can walk on the water if it was silky smooth. You cannot. You can't walk on the water at all unless it's by faith. Is that right? <laughs> And he got to looking, and down he went. Cried out for help, and thank God Jesus was there to help him out. If you have got to looking at the wrong thing, you have lost your faith, you're spiraling down the drain, don't forget to cry out for help. The Lord will still help you. He'll still help you. Just say, help Lord. Help Lord. Amen? He said, Lord, save me. Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And he said to him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now, you know, you might, you know, from our perspective, we might think that Jesus would grab him and pull him up and say, That's great. You know, you're probably the first human being besides myself that's ever walked on the water. <laughs> excellent, excellent. No, you know what he said? Why'd you doubt? 
Huh? You know why he said that? Because that's a good question. He did, Peter did not have a decent answer for that question. Do you understand? What's he going to tell him? Well, Lord, I doubt it because you see it's scientifically impossible for a human being that weighs 200 pounds to walk on a substance that's unstable like water. That'll bear no weight. Why? Because he was doing it. Right? And Jesus at present is doing it. That's how he's pulling him up. Because he's standing on the wave. So what, what's, uh, what's Peter's answer going to be? Yeah, but Lord, you see the wind, the wind. That's no answer. And you know, if we failed, again and again it's been because of our faith failing. Letting something pull our faith out of us. Not passing the trial or test of our faith. And in doing so, the Lord has the same question for us. Why did you doubt? And you know, you don't have an answer. All you can just say is, dumb. Sorry, Lord. I just was dumb. Because if you're thinking, if you're listening to the Lord, there's no reason to doubt. But if you get to listening to the enemy, get to looking at what he suggests you look at, looking at what he's emphasizing, even though it's irrational, even though it's unreasonable, irreasonable, then you can lose your faith and sink. Look with me at another portion of Scripture. Look over at the uh, 8th chapter of Luke, I believe it is. You there in Matthew, go to Luke 8. We're talking about how the devil works to rob you of your faith. Things he'll try to arrange and emphasize, orchestrate, to strip you of your faith. And your faith is precious. And you must not let him do so. Do you see that while Peter's walking on the water, the enemy met him and grabbed hold of his faith and started pulling it and said, look at the wind, look at the wind. And when he started looking at the wind, he was able to pull it out. What should Peter have done? He should have held fast to his precious faith. He should have pulled it to himself and said, it doesn't make any difference, I'm walking on the water. Forget about the waves, look at Jesus. Forget about the wind, look at Jesus. Keep walking. We can learn from these things, can't we? We can learn how to keep this from happening to us. In Luke 8, you know the story of Jairus had a daughter. She was very near death. He came to Jesus and besought him that he would come to his house and heal her. And he, did, he wasn't just trying something. The man had faith. The man had faith. And he had said to uh, Jesus that if he would just come to his house, that his daughter would be healed and live. You can read Mark's account and see all these things, as well as Luke's account. But he just he said, Lord, if you'll come, lay your hand on her, she'll live. That's faith. Very positive. But now you know the story that while they were on the way, the woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd, touched his clothes, she got healed. Then he stopped and then uh, asked who did it. All of them denied. Finally, she came forward, fell down, testified, told him all the truth. That probably took a little while. And Jairus is standing there thinking, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And Jesus is listening to this testimony, you see. 
Somebody got healed on the way. And verse 49, Jesus had just got through, the woman had just got through, he told her daughter, be of good comfort, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. And verse 49, he said, while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. It's over. Now what are they coming and telling him? They're coming and telling him what they have seen. Isn't that right? What they have seen, what they've heard, what they know. You know, sometimes it's not even something that you saw yourself that can rob you of your faith. You can take what somebody else said they saw and let it rob you of your faith. You know? Anyway, they said, your daughter's dead. It's over. It's too late. I know y'all are trying to get there, but it's too late. She's gone. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not. Now again, what did we say? That, that happens when you do what? Walk by sight. So what's he telling him? Don't walk by this. Don't base your believing on this. Fear not, but what? Believe only and she shall be made whole. It can sure pull on you, can it? When the doctor said, well, we just found this and this on the x-rays. And you can feel this in your body. Hmm? Oh, yeah. To say that that's not a distraction is just lying. To say that that doesn't demand and, and yell at you, look at me, think about me, pay attention to me, would just be pretending. But friend, you've got to make a choice. What am I going to look at? What am I going to look at? Because what you look at will determine your outcome. They had saw her die. They, I'm sure they checked her. I'm sure they didn't just take off. When, when somebody said, well, I think she's gone, I'm sure they checked her. They waited. They checked. They checked. They checked for breath. They checked for pulse. They checked her eyes. They looked. Are you sure? Because I don't want to go tell him this. If Jesus is coming, you know. No, she's gone. She's gone. She's cold. There's been no breath for X amount of time. She's gone. So they're telling him, and he knows they're his trusted servants. She's gone. We saw her. She died. That's it. Now see, if you just take that only, and you don't think about the other things, you just take what you what they've seen, what they've heard, what, what's that going to cause your heart to do? Just sink. Isn't that right? Just sink. Your heart would just... Just sink. And you think, oh God. It's too late. Too late. And that means all your faith is gone. Hmm? That's what it means. You know, I'm going over these things for a lot of different reasons. I want you to, I want you to think and be very aware of how faith feels for lack of a better expression. You know what I mean by that? I'm not talking about a physical feeling now. I'm talking about, you know, when, when, there, when you have faith, your heart rises up. Isn't that right? You have confident expectation. Amen. And when you lose your faith, you know it. When you lose your faith, it's, it's, it's you know, like the common expression, your feathers fall. You just, 
Oh man, your heart sinks and you just go, oh man, I was I was expecting this, but now it's not going to be. It's not going to be. And, and you give up on the inside. That means your faith is gone. But you know, even when it seems like it's too late, if we listen to the Lord, sometimes it seems like it's. I seem like it's over with, man. It's done. End of the book. Close it. But the Lord will say, not yet. Don't quit me now. Isn't that what he's telling Jairus? Before Jairus ever had a chance to respond, Jairus is standing there. They've told him this terrible news. His heart's, you know, just about to sink down to his toes. And Jesus looks at him and says, Jairus, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. What is he saying? He said, remember what you told me when you came and got me? That if I'd come and lay my hand on your daughter, she'd live? Know that, know what you said? Stay with me. Don't leave me now. I need your faith. Don't quit me. I don't care what they said. I don't care what they saw. I don't care how you feel. Don't quit me. Stay with me. And we don't have any record of anything Jairus said. Maybe he just swallowed hard and went, Okay. And followed him. How many know when you don't know what to say? Just be quiet. Amen. Amen. And just stay with the last bold faith confession that you made. <laughs> just, you know, it looks like, man, it's all done, you know, but don't, don't quit. Amen. Sometimes if you open your mouth, you're going to say the wrong thing. So just hush. Just don't say it. All these thoughts are racing through your mind. Oh God, I thought this. I had said this. But look at this. I don't know. Just be quiet. Be quiet. Zip the lip. And do what Jesus said. I only believe. Stay with me. Stay with me. And He did. He followed Jesus like a little uh, lamb up to His house. Walked in there. And they, they're all the professional mourners are there. Man, yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, they get paid to cry. You talk about crying. They can cry. It's obvious they can turn it off and on real quick. Because when Jesus said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping, they immediately break into a laugh. Laughed him to scorn. Then he said, get them out of here. Get them out. Just get them out. And he took, he took the parents, he took Jesus, Peter, James, and John, he went in the room. And Jairus obviously still with him. I know he is or Jesus wouldn't be there. I'm sorry, he's still got his faith. He has not allowed these things to strip him, strip him of his faith. He's standing there. His daughter is cold. She's dead. She's been dead for who knows how long now. Some length of time. But he's still he's biting his lip and holding on. Looking at Jesus. Jesus took her by the hand. Said, get up, damn Get up, little girl. She opened her eyes and got up. Why? What's the heart of that miracle? Her daddy had faith. Are you with me? Her daddy had faith. If her daddy hadn't had faith, that wouldn't be in the book. If her daddy had lost his faith at the point of trial, this wouldn't be, not, this wouldn't be in the book. Are you with me? Do you see? I mean, isn't that wonderful? They got their daughter back. 
Obviously, I guess, grew up to be a fine young lady, married some nice guy, had a tremendous family. We don't know. You understand what I'm saying? And they were not robbed. Why? Because her daddy had faith. Her daddy had faith. Do you understand? Jesus didn't go and search this family out to do some special thing for them. Jairus ran him down. Said, come to my house and if you will, and if you'll touch my daughter, she will live. She'll be healed. He didn't say come and see what you... He said she'll, she'll live. Faith. And nothing robbed him of his faith. Not even death itself staring him in the eye saying it's too late. Jesus said, don't quit me. Hold on. Only believe. And Jairus just bit his lip and held on. I, he must have had to have a grip. Because I guarantee you, at that point, the devil is tugging on his faith. Quit. Give up. Quit. And he's going, no, no, no. Is faith precious? Is it precious to have a loved one restored from the dead? Is it precious to have all of that added to you and saved on account of what? Faith. Your faith, my friend, is so precious. The Lord values it so highly. It is so important to you and your victory and your life and the devil's soul wants to steal it from you. He so wants to rob you of it. But you're not ignorant of his devices and you're getting more knowledgeable all the time of how he works in these areas. He's a liar. He's a thief. But you know it. Amen. You know it. And so you're ready. You know, sometimes people, people have told me, they said, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, you just, you just don't know. You know, if symptoms get so bad, you just, you can't help it. You have to give them your attention. You can't help it. You just get consumed with them. There's nothing you can do. And like I've said to you, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm not, because it's not easy. And the tougher situation you have, the more challenging it can be. But it can be done. I said it can be done. I'm going to close with this, this story. You know it. We won't turn back and look at it, but I'll just remind you of it. It's the story of the serpent on the pole. You remember that? You'll find it over in Numbers 21. We're not going to read it. We're not going to look at those things particularly. But the Israelites got to murmuring and griping and complaining, which is something they were very proficient at. Griping. And the Bible warns us in the New Testament. He says, don't murmur like they did because they were destroyed of the destroyer. Did you know that griping opens the door to the destroyer? I said, did you know that griping and complaining, belly aching, opens the door to the destroyer? Now that answers some questions right there. Did you know also that a lot of folk do a lot more griping than they think they do? Did you know that the New Testament Philippians 2.14 said, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. All things. So that means, when is it, when is it all right to gripe and complain? Never. That's exactly right. Never. Have you ever griped? Have you ever complained? Huh? Now I know you have. <laughs> I don't even have to have any special revelation for that. I know you have. 
But did you know something's interesting? That so many times when people gripe, they'll deny that they were griping. You ever seen, so take like a husband and wife especially, you know. You, you see, may, maybe uh, the, the husband or the wife, either one of them, is saying something, you know, and they're griping. They're really griping. And one of the ones says, oh, honey, don't complain. What does the other one usually say? I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm a, I was a, what were they doing? Complaining. But they denied. Now, see, you won't grow like that. And it's that some of us, well, you know, people complain, you know, so what? So it opens the door to the destroyer. That's what. Now that's pretty serious business, I think. They got to griping and complaining, and the next thing you know, they had myriads of poisonous snakes in their camp biting them. And they had been protected from all these kind of things prior to this. So you get to griping and complaining, and your protective hedge comes down. This is serious stuff. Anyway, Moses cried out to the Lord for the people. He said, oh Lord, you know, what do we do? And the people began to repent and said, forgive us for griping. Forgive us for repenting. Because see, one of the things that they'd been saying is, we're tired of manna. <laughs> manna in the morning, manna for lunch, manna at night. We're tired. All we got out here is this manna, 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 manna. I'm sick of manna. <laughs> yeah, but what would they have had if they hadn't had manna? Nothing. But see, they're unthankful. You know, you never complained about what you ate. <laughs> but if we, if we had time, which we don't, I could say a lot of things. But, but griping and complaining is a manifestation of doubt and unbelief. It is not faith, it's doubt, and it opens the door to the destroyer. Serious stuff. But... uh he prayed and the Lord told him what to do. He said, I want you to raise up a brass serpent, put it on a pole, lift it up, and tell them that everyone that looks, and now that word look is an interesting word in the Hebrew. It means a steady, a steadfast, absorbing gaze. It is not a passing glance. He didn't say glance at the serpent on the pole. What did he say? Look. And what he means look, he means gaze. Fix your gaze on it. He said, everyone that looks will live. Now, I don't know about you, but I, uh, up until the Lord brought, brought my, this to my attention, I'd never thought that much about it. But you see, there are 600,000 plus soldiers, plus uh, the women, the children, older people, what have you. You've got, you know, at least two or three million people. It's a lot of people. And they're camped in relatively close quarters. He told them exactly where to put their standards in their camps. And they're not just spread all over the place. They're camped in an orderly fashion. God's organized, if you didn't know it. But uh, what if you? What if I took two snakes and turned them loose in here today? <laughs> one snake went this way. One snake went that way. What do you think would happen? People would go. Phew. I mean, you know, we'd probably have new doors on this room. I mean, people would knock over chairs, they'd run over each other. Folk would scream and jump up on their chair. A snake. They would. You could have, you could have instant chaos. Isn't that right? What if you turn 
thousands, maybe tens of thousands, who knows how many poisonous vipers among two or three million people. Chaos. A lot of chaos. I mean, you know, the, the camels would have been spooked. The donkeys would have been spooked. You know, when the people would jump and run or scream, it would scare other people. Tents would get knocked in the fire. Pots would be knocked over. Livestock would be spooked and running. I mean, dust would be in the air. Sand would be everywhere. Right? And some way or another, in the middle of all that, Moses spoke to the people. Now, I don't know how in the world he did it. Without a PA system. Now, I don't know. I don't know how he did it. But he, he got the message across to the people, if you will look on the serpent on the pole, you will live. Not just glance, but look. Now here I'm talking about what to do when symptoms are extreme, when they're yelling at you, they're demanding your attention. Put yourself in one of these persons' place. You've just been bitten by a poisonous viper. You know what kind of snake that is. There are no emergency centers in the area for you to run to. When this snake bites you, you're dead. You've been bitten. There's the wound of the bite. You feel the effects of the poison working in your system. Your blood pressure is doing funny things. Your heart's doing funny things. Your nerves, your vision's affected. Everything's affected. You, you hear some of your family scream somewhere. You wonder what's going on with them. You look around. Your prized herd of camels is running over the hill toward the, toward the east. The best tent you've got's in the fire, burning up. You understand? You hear another family member scream. What's going on with them? And you think you just heard another snake behind you. And yet, if you want to live, what did you have to do? What did you have to do? You have to tune all of that out. Somebody said, you can't. They did. They did. Looked up from where they were, pain, symptoms, all the surrounding things that were going on, and they fixed their gaze on that serpent on the pole. And the Bible said, everyone that looked lived. As they looked steadfastly where God told them to look, as they looked on that serpent on the pole, eyes fixed, ignoring the pain, ignoring the symptom, ignoring the rustling, ignoring the fire, the voice of friends and relatives, ignoring all of that, just focusing in on that. The power of God neutralized the effects of the venom in them, protected them from more snake bites. Amen. Moved round about for them. And they were healed. They were forgiven. They were delivered. Amen. And they lived. Now, if they could do that, not even being born again, not even having the Holy Ghost in them, not even having the name of Jesus, you can do it. I can do it. Did I say it was easy? No. But can you do it? Yes. Yes. It's what if somebody came up and said, Hey, look, the snakes, the snakes, the snakes. You have to ignore them if you want to live. What about your camels, your camels, your camels? You've got to ignore them if you want to live. How many understand what we're talking about here today? You've got to focus 
your eyes. You've got to keep your mind on what the Lord told you. Get your mind off of the symptoms, the problems. Oh, they'll scream at you. I'm not telling you that's easy, but you, but you can't let yourself think on it. I'm trying to close and I'm keeping you long, but let me share one other story with you. And many of you heard me say this, but it, it made such an impression on me. I'm going to share it again. Some months ago, I was preparing to lay hands on folk in healing school, and we used to do that every Thursday. If you're here and can't be back, you know, want hands laid on you, there, there, there'll be folk next door right after the service. You can talk with them. They'll pray with you, lay hands on you. But if you can be here, uh, and you're going to be here Thursday, then get your faith built up and ready to release your faith then. We found that we can get folk with us and, and hear more then they receive better. But uh, I, it was a Thursday. I was preparing to lay hands on folk, just waiting on the Lord extra, praying, fasted the noon meal, just seeking the Lord. And uh, there, was a, there was a fellow there that had cancer of the brain. There was a terrible cancer just chewing his brain up. And as I knew he was going to be there, and I was going to get a chance to lay hands on him, believe God for the power of God to drive that, stuff out and while I was praying the Lord spoke to my heart he said son he said uh, what is worse than cancer on the brain and I thought well that's that's pretty bad you know what part of your body would be much worse than having cancer in your brain you know and the Lord spoke again to me and he said cancer on the mind is worse and he went on, he, and when I say he spoke to me, I don't mean I heard a voice, audible voice. I, I knew inside me what he said to me, okay? Just knew it on the inside. He, he went on to speak to me. He said, son, he said, I made the human body. I made the human brain. If that cancer had destroyed half, two-thirds of his brain, that would not be hard for me to recreate that tissue and to heal that tissue. If I had to completely repra- replace the organ of the brain, that would not be hard for me at all. How many know that's true? I mean, Amen. God made the body. He made it. He created it. I mean, if He has to create new organs in you, a new brain, that is not hard at all for Him. He said, I, he said, I can do that very easily. That's easy to me. That's not hard to me. He said, but if I can't get them to get that cancer off of their mind and get me on their mind and get my words on their mind, then they have the door shut to me working for them. See, this, this is back to what we've been talking all along. Your faith is the key. Your faith is the victory. Your faith is what opens the door and receives from God. And you, do you see what we're talking about today? One way that the enemy works to strip you of your faith is if he can get you to looking at the wrong thing and looking in this respect includes what you keep on your mind. See, what you look at with the eyes of your spirit. What you look at with the, the mind's eye. I don't know, even though you're not necessarily looking at something physically all the time, you can be looking at it in your mind all the time. And remember what the Scripture said in Romans 8? He said to be carnally minded or to be mindful of the natural things, the flesh, the wrong things, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Oh, glory to God. He said, Thou keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Oh, praise God. 
Here's another thing. If you don't have peace, if you don't have peace, what's obvious? You have not been keeping your mind straight on the Lord. If you're afraid, you've been walking by sight. Isn't that right? Oh, it's easy to do, isn't it? All you got to do is nothing. Just do what the world does. You just slip right into it. You'll be thinking about what you see, what you feel, what you've heard. It'll scare you. It'll bother you. You won't have peace. But see, you're being carnally minded. If you want to live, you've got to ignore the snake bite. Ignore the snake. Ignore the surroundings. Ignore the dust. Ignore the chaos. It's not. I didn't say it was easy, but you've got to do it. Pull your eyes off of that. Get your mind off of that. And get it on what God said. We know that serpent on the pole is a type of Jesus on the cross and the redemptive work. Jesus said so. He said as Moses lifted up the the, the serpent on the pole in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He said it in John 3. So friend, we've got to keep our mind on what Jesus did. What He did in His life. What He did on the cross. What He did in the resurrection. And among other things, He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. With His stripes we are healed. Keep your mind on that, not on the problem. And you can do it by the grace of God. You can do it. You can do it. Look on Him and live. Amen. What's worse than cancer on the brain? Cancer on the mind. You know, so many times, I've been doing this for years now, and so many times I've seen people, once the doctors give them the bad report, that's all they think about for the rest of the time. Night and day. Night and day, that's all they think about. And see, that's being carnally minded and it results in death. The Bible tells you. But friend, it is possible. It is gloriously possible. I didn't say it was easy, but it's possible by the grace of God, no matter how bad things are, to get your mind off of it. And put your mind on what God has told you. That's being spiritually minded. That will give you life. That will give you peace. It will put you in direct contact with the Lord, your Savior, your healer, your deliverer, your life giver himself. Can you say amen? Amen. We're talking about the trial of your faith. And we're talking about how to come out shining. Amen. The harder it gets, the harder you have to focus. The worse it gets and the worse the problems are, the more distracting it can be and the more effort you may have to put forth to keep pulling yourself back. Because your your mind will very easily drift back over those things, but just grab it and pull it back. Pull it back off of it. You may have to pull it off of that thousands of times a day. You understand what I'm saying? Next thing you know, you're going along a few minutes. Next thing you know, your mind's right back over there thinking about the problem. "Ah, No, no, no. Grab it. Pull it back over. What did the Lord say? You understand that can happen thousands of times a day. But don't ever, when you realize your mind's on the wrong thing, don't ever just let it stay there and think on the wrong thing. Grab it. Pull it off of it. Look at Him. Behold Him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Hallelujah. Stand up and praise the Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.